You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I'm your host, Rand Lauer. The Batman Book Club is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Just go to batmanonfilm.com, click on Podcasts, and you'll find the Batman Podcast Network. It has a whole list of other Bat-related shows that also like to dive into other nerdy subjects that we all, especially Peter Vera, Peter Arvera, love to frolic about in our free time. The Batman Book Club is also on Patreon if you like what's going on with the show and you want to help support the show. Keep the generators running in the Wayne Manor study. Just go to patreon.com slash the Batman BC and join the others who are very graciously helping out the show there. Now, thank you for listening to episode 156, One Night in Gotham City. Joining me is a familiar voice that you've heard on this here show pretty frequent, often over the years. Yes, the years. Uh, he's a fellow Midwestern boy. He's a skull captain, and he's actually in the process of uh, creating a brand new intro song for this show. It's one Garrett Grubb. Hello, Garrett. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Ryan. Well, going, in back. going instrumental. So I, you posted a video of how you tickled the ivories not too long ago. And, and I said, you're hired getting a new intro yeah. for the show. Can't on wait. Occasion, on occasion, I enjoy playing various musical instruments. Um I find piano, like if I just want to goof around quick, is pretty easy because sometimes mm -hmm. you got to get the guitar down and the guitar is out of tune. Now, you know, if I want to do yeah. something on the electric, you got to plug it in. So sometimes the piano is fun. I'm not a hyper talented pianist. I'm um, I'm a guy that can sit down in front of some keys and goof around and, you know, figure out how to do it's things. It's the Midwest okay. way to be humble, Garrett, but you're not fooling. <laughs> Don't shit a shitter over here. Okay? Oh, gosh. I, golly. I, can see it. I know what you're up to. Uh, you know what I was going to ask you, though, Ryan? Fire away. After the generators are fully funded yeah. for the Wayne Manor study, mm -hmm. I think it'd be uh, it'd be great if the patrons, your Patreons, could donate money to go towards like a nice uh, park someplace where the community is open and welcome to frolic at. Ooh. Like a nice big field where the frolicking can take place. And then, you know, we'll bring our pal Peter down there. Called we'll the Peter Park. The Peter Park for frolicking. Uh, yeah, I think, Peter I think Park. yeah, Peter Park for frolicking. It's too bad. I, I, we, it's too it's bad all these years ago you didn't go with prancing. Because uh, yeah. that, uh, I like, guess, some alliteration. Uh, Peter's Prancing but, Park, but. Yeah, Peter's frolicking park i don't know we'll figure I it like out like this right i think that could be yeah. like a fun little give back because there's not enough places to frolic in this world anymore like there we, isn't you know the patrons to you know the batman book club we get out with that yeah anyway it's great it's it is great to be back and i'll start working on the theme song for sure please do also i need to get i need to get a we have there is a design being worked on by our our west coast hipster justin kowalski oh punk rock um, dad for, jay rocka sure yeah uh to come up on t public 
Um, it's still being worked on, but maybe after that, I, I need to get like a frolic, like a, an eye frolic. Oh, like good call. There, good know? call. Um, I frolic with Peter. Maybe that's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Arvera. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Let's get very specific so that nobody you know, gets, gets it confused. Which Peter? Oh, Peter Arvera. Peter Arvera. I, you know what? I, you know, you have a very successful podcast on your hands, Ryan. Thank I think you. we all understand that some of the top talent in the comic book industry stops by to chat with you. Uh, you know, you get some nerdy dads and non dads that your pals <laughs> with to show up and talk comics when you're not talking to the superstars. Um, but you know, I think it is time to really start thinking big. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're not too far off from a fifth year anniversary. Uh, you know, maybe some big, you know, multimedia campaign. Who knows? Oh goodness. Um, but you know, I think it's like, geez, you're really doing something kind of special over here, man. Let's do big. Let's do it big. Then <laughs> nothing says big like a park. Nothing says big like a park. That's what <laughs> Peter's I'm saying, Park for man. frolicking. Peter's I love Park it. for frolicking. You know, right. you got a couple years under your belt, couple, you know, hundred, I don't know what so, I forget what episode number this is. <laughs> yeah, I think you sent it in the invite. I, I didn't did, read all but that's the details. Okay. 156. 156, man. Yeah. It's time to get a park. <laughs> all right. Yeah. There you go. Uh what say you listeners? Are you, would you come visit the Peter's Park for Frolicking? Because <laughs> that just rolls. It like really does. Park for frolicking. frolicking PPFF. Um, PPF, <laughs> PPFF, hashtag PPFF, right? Got it. All right. Boom. TM. All right. Let's get to frolicking, shall we? Absolutely. Let's get to frolicking about um, one night in Gotham City. Now, off the top, some people may think, like, wait, I don't know that issue. I bet you do. Because this was that's the title of issue number three in John Burns' The Man of Steel six-part miniseries. Legendary Host- yes. miniseries. Legendary miniseries. I'm so sorry. Yes. Legendary miniseries. Post-Crisis okay. on Infinite yes. Earths. So this was written and drawn by one Sir John Byrne. It was released in 1986, obviously in physical uh, issues. It is available now digitally. It's on DC Universe Infinite. Uh, it's, uh, let's see, I don't, with specific runs and stuff like this, it's, the the older they are, the harder it is to track down exactly how many, uh, like, trades it was collected in and whatnot. If, um, I have to imagine when Batman vs. Superman came out, there was a, like, Batman and Superman trade collection that came out. I don't know the story, and, like, and it was their fight from like the one issue in Hush. And it was, I think, yeah. part of the Dark Knight Returns of their fight. So I feel like this was probably included in there, but I can't confirm it. I can confirm that it was released in a trade paperback, I think, in 2013. I think so. I think that was when, when they released all of John Byrne's uh, Superman stuff in nine trade paperbacks. It's also recently been collected in a hardcover. Gosh darn right it was. And this sucker is also through the trade paperback and the hardcover available on Hoopla, the greatest app of all time. So with all of that said, Garrett Grab, which version did you read for this episode? Oh, I read the hardcover, the most recently collected. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, and gosh, I sure hope you do. Um, you probably see me tweeting about I've been 
making my way through post-crisis Superman at an embarrassingly fast clip, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> And uh, probably an annoying uh, frequency of reading those issues were you to talk to my wife. Uh, But it's the hardcovers. Um, You know, there was four editions they released. They're absolutely beautiful. Um, You know, just really fantastic. So these are the four editions just, you know, I know we're we're not advertising for DC here. But the four big, you know, thick, beefy hardcover. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sending the the hardcover editions uh, (laughs) that they put out um, last year's 2022 releases. Um, in- included the the mini series Man of Steel, mm-hmm. which was the post crisis reintroduction of Superman with some um, particular tweaks to storytelling elements and origins and some characterizations and like ah surprise we got Mom Pa Kent and they are dead that's great um, as well as the ongoing series that launched from that where it really was burn sort of in the command chair across the various Superman titles. So there was four recent hardcover collected issues that started with the miniseries, went into the ongoing series. If you are a Superman fan, I would highly recommend, they were very expensive when they were first released. Uh, Ryan, I was trying to talk you into misspending your money. I think it's, I I thought it was still responsible because it was a good high quality product. You can get them for a deal. Um, They also, you're right, were released in 2009. And then before that, in 2003, uh, that kind of went on. I said um, 2013. Was it 2009? I know there was a nine. Oh, 13. I think there were there were some TP or trade paperbacks in nine. And then in 2003, there were also. But they were grouped and arranged the same. So you can get largely the same uh i feel like someone will 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 write into you and tell them that i'm wrong largely the same across nine volumes um but the first volume of almost all of those is the mini series the man Mm -hmm. of steel and i've i've got that's the one i can't yeah listeners can't see this but i've got this copy this is a 2003 trade um with for reference because i think there's some interesting details if you're if you're looking to purchase (laughs) that you would know that are about differences between the two and then i've got my hard copy from the four volumes that were released last year all right so no longer answer to the question (laughs) than you were looking for but nobody can see this but i wish that they could because that was frolicking like (laughs) (laughs) no like john burns Ah! superman that is what Garrett Greb frolics over. Oh boy. Like there's 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 at least one thing that we all frolic over. And yeah, I we know we found yours. And yeah, what uh-huh. you're just doing right now, I can see you're glowing. Um, I love it. I love it so very much. Yeah. Like this so, is this is my Superman in a way that my Batman mm-hmm. is year one, long Halloween. Yeah. Um, dark victory and then like I know build thinks it's overrated but hush like that's mm-hmm. like like that's my that's my like oh my gosh when you I, I can yeah. like that's kind of that's burn Superman for me when it gotcha. relates to that character uh I do believe that hardcover um your your fifth child one Sir <laughs> Ryan powers he's been gifted that hardcover and I'm pretty sure he's read it as yeah, well so-, so shout out to that little guy you know, he's Keep just up, a youngster. He's just a youngster and uh, he's trying to learn his way in this world <laughs> of funny books. And he hadn't yeah. he hadn't read, you know, what happened in 86 because it was like, you know, like 13 years before he was born. So I, I sent yeah. one on up to him because you got to educate the youth, Ryan. You got to educate the youth. And he's, you know, and he wants to make his Uncle Pete proud and he he does the work. So, yeah, 
There you go. In the work. Keep it up, little guy. So the version that I read um, was Hoopla. Check it out through Hoopla because it's the greatest app of all time. I had the trade paperback that uh, you have in your hands. And I'm pretty sure I got that in college, which is why when I when I looked up and I saw 2013, I was like, no, I swear that this is while I was in college that I picked it up and I got the first volume and read it. So, um, yeah, and, and I don't know what happened to it. Yeah, but I might have to invest in these hardcovers or if I can find those trades, because I think the trades have the paper that I'm more of a fan of. It absolutely are glossy. Yep. I'll save my thoughts. Well, okay. maybe I'll talk about that now. So if you are a purist, <laughs> yeah, if you're a purist and you want to read these books and experience the art in the way that is most similar to what you would have in 1986, I think, you yeah. know, the 2003 trades you can get your hands on. They were re-released a couple times. This one that I have was 2003. I also got this one in college, Ryan. Um, so, uh, this has more of a newsstand newspaper feel yeah, to it. I love it. And there are some noticeable, it's not as drastic. Somebody just in the BOF Facebook group today, uh, put an image that was original, um, Neil Adams art and then recolorized for a digital edition or a collected edition. Yeah. And it was really striking how different it was. I would not go to say it's anywhere near that far. But in the new hardcover editions, there are some there are some images. There's a number of images and panels where you're like, oh, this is a little bit fancier. You've recolored yeah. this. You've cleaned this up a little bit. I think some of that is just the glossy paper, um, but some of it is the recoloring. Uh, the older trades are are much more like reading an old school comic book right you got a little yeah. bit of grit to that paper and i like it i appreciate that look i do but i love the hardcover collected edition enough to more than make up for it if that matters well i was about to say and this may not be um politically correct but i'm hard for hardcovers so anytime that i can get yeah, a story in hardcover that's my preferred way of going so then it's this way of like oh man it's glossy paper but it's a hardcover yeah. And hardcovers look and sit nicely on the shelf. Uh, if you have to tuck them away for storage for some reason, that gets, I don't know. I just prefer hardcovers. So, well, here's the good news I think you can get these trade paperback because they're, yeah. they're pretty small. Each volume is like maybe six issues. I think you get them for pretty dirt cheap on like eBay or something. I hope know. so. Like, that's I'm just fine. It. And then, right. your, then your presentation, your bookshelf show off volume. Yeah. There's your we'll, we'll see. We'll have we'll do some uh, live eBay traveling throughout this episode and see if I come across anything that's worth a bargain. I will mention it again. That means that it was failure. Um, Garrett, when was the first time that you read this issue? Um, I believe I was in the second grade. Wow. Well, Garrett. Um, so let's see. Second grade. Uh, how old was my kid that just left second grade? Eight, so somewhere like 1991. And um, I stumbled into uh, a library section at my elementary school, which was it's a good a, library. I mean, well, been on the yeah, show before and found books in the library, which is insane. It's insane because I went to a this this school in particular was very small. It was before I transferred into a larger school district. It was a K through 12, one building, oh, K through 12, wow. small town, northern Minnesota. 
And they had a hardcover collected edition of Burns 1986 miniseries. This was in the very, this was the early 90s, regardless of, you know, when exactly it was in elementary school. And I didn't know school <laughs> libraries were cool, Ryan. I didn't know there was I didn't anything either. cool inside of those. And I got this and I was like, and I was um, you know, a huge Superman fan, huge Batman fan at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, had some comics, was not, certainly wasn't a comic collector. It was like, oh, somebody would get me a comic book because they knew I liked that character, not because I was a comic book reader. I was like a, you know, action figure enjoyer, player with her, right? So when mm-hmm. I saw that there was actually like a book about Superman and it was a comic book with the words and the pictures, I was like, oh, I don't think they have this kind of stuff in libraries because isn't it, it almost was like, is this inappropriate for a school library? There's no, there's no way there's actually any merit to this thing, right? Like I was surprised that grownups would put this in a library for kids to check out, yeah. but I was friggin' amped, right? Yeah. So I, I got this thing. I read it, um, read all six issues, uh, probably in that first night that I had it. Um, cause I was old enough to read on my own. So maybe that, yeah, I'm sure it was like second or third grade, maybe first grade, whatever. And I had no idea Batman was showing up and, uh, you know, I watched like super friends reruns. We'd get them on VHS rental tape from the local yeah. VHS rental store in the small town but like i didn't expect in a comic book of superman all of a sudden like either batman i would in my mind either i would think batman needed to be there the entire time or he was never going to show up so when all of a sudden like halfway through this hardcover collected edition batman's there Mm -hmm. it was like life had literally hit the pinnacle of anything i had ever experienced since like the twins won the world series in 91 like that was that yeah go twins and this was even better i had no idea batman was going to show up when batman showed up and batman was like i would have been i would have seen i would have read this for the first time after seeing the 89 movie but i never saw blue and gray batman be like mm-hmm. a real tough scary guy and this was i remember distinctly like oh comic book batman's like he's kind of tough and scary like movie batman not like uncle adam batman right like yeah. so i have very clear memories of when i read this issue for the first time long story short that's how uh that's how you know it meant something special sure did lodged you know. right there in the old rib cage so my measuring tool on if my library was cool or not just depended on if they had Chris Van Allsburg's, uh Jumanji book checked out oh, or not. That nice. was the hit in our school. If you found that on the shelf, it was like finding gold. Uh, yeah. We didn't have any cool comics. I remember as you got okay. in, as you got into like fourth grade, maybe fifth grade, it was like there was a mad dash to find like the um, Goosebumps books yeah. in the school library. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a long wait list for those. Yeah. You heard it here. Goosebumps podcast coming soon. Coming soon. Ryan and Gary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I first read this, so I so I was honestly, I'd written down 2009 when that trade paperback came out. I really did. Not just because you really? said it. I, yeah, I wrote it down because I was just like, I swear it was 2009. And then I couldn't find that. So I'm going to just say I first read this in 2009, Garrett. I think it makes sense. So I'm, a late I'm almost... I'm going to research it when we're done. I'm almost entirely certain there were re-releases in 03, 09, and 13. Okay. And so then yeah, like we'll, nothing we'll sets. Until the hardcovers. 
Yeah. Um, and then lastly, and I don't know, you've kind of shown your hand already, but I have to ask the question. Why one night in Gotham City? It's got post-crisis Batman and Superman in it. And, um, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths, it was such a landmark, not just storyline, but narrative device. And I think it represented such a, an incredible jumping on point. Um, and, and obviously, not just DC, other publishers, but DC a bunch of times. We've had a lot of crises since then. Mm-hmm. Have tried to replicate it to various levels of success or some outright failures. Um, but it, I mean, it's a la- it's a it's a milestone in comic publishing, where a publisher said, "Hey, we've been doing our thing for a long time." like one of the biggest names in the game uh but like we're kind of getting stale we need a new approach we have to become accessible we need a way to tell stories about these characters we really like telling stories about but in a way someone could like pick up a comic and not be totally lost or not be reading or, or not read a character that they like but we've grown to the point that's so overpowered because we haven't been sure what to do with them besides making them more and more powerful for decades and decades that it's almost like too much to buy into mm-hmm. and dc had crisis on infinite earths and hit the reset button in a way for a long time like we didn't really think we'd see again and it was like zero hour came, but zero hour was just kind of cleaning up some stuff that happened in crisis. And then it was a little bit while, while after that, before we really went back to that. Well, and this was the first time as a youth. And then as, you know, as a, as I got, you know, a few years older than that became like a real comic book collector, so to speak, that I could like this issue of these characters meeting one another was so different than what had come before it where i thought i always thought of them as like oh they're best pals it's like you know they're like they're old buddy old chums and they spend christmas together and gosh golly don't they get along so well um this was like the reset into this new universe and what better way to show how things are a bit different they're gonna feel kind of familiar but they're going to be different enough that it's interesting and engaging and we're going to get our hooks into you then this issue of these two like most famous fictional characters in the world meeting in a way that like readers had not seen Mm. in the, in the, in like in continuity storytelling and like ever basically. So Batman's Batman post-crisis, you know, we always think about, of course, year one, which everyone's read and has been discussed on, you know, your show and lots of shows and, you know, all the IGN articles about best, best Batman stories yeah. ever. But I've got a real soft spot spot in my heart for this introduction of post-crisis Batman. So I was like, hey, Ryan, can we talk about it? And you're like, yeah, let's do it. I said, OK, sign me up. That's how it happened. And that's how it happened. I don't know why I keep like ever since we decided on this issue and I think of the one night in Gotham city, but I think of it to the tune of one night in Bangkok. Of course. Of course. That's the only thing that's reasonable to <laughs> okay. do. Okay. All yeah. right. Good. I'm not entirely I'm really with you as you're doing that. I'm like, I keep, it was, it's just still going in my head and I'm remixing it. One night in Gotham. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, of course right, so you, you set the stage in Garrett, this is not the first time that you've chosen a book that is not like Ooh, Batman's no. title. <laughs> yeah, I've done it but a couple times. 
I'd I'd say I mean, but the ones that you've done it for, because uh, Pete hates my rules, but I think they make total sense. The, I mean, it's a Batman podcast. It makes sense. Yeah, Pete, genius. You chose Kingdom Come before. Batman is crucial to that story. Uh, maybe he's not the star, but he's top three. So it makes sense. Here, this is a Superman title, but it is telling in this post-crisis universe when Superman met Batman. I would Absolutely. argue even that, yes, this is definitely like I know this is part of the Superman miniseries and such, but uh, the Man of Steel miniseries. But this is a world's finest comic to me because they Absolutely. are together. Basically, the whole issue. Well, not only are they together, basically the whole issue, but Byrne does this really cool. I think it's really cool thing. I think probably because as a kid, I was I was just explaining how I was so surprised and delighted that Batman was in it. Page one. <laughs> Page one of Superman, the Man of Steel, book three. Immediately you open this comic book and something feels it's nine panel grid. You know you're not in Metropolis when you look at that first panel. You might yeah. not know where you are yet, but you know you're not in Metropolis because it's very different. It's very dark. It's rainy. It's sludgy. It's gothic. There's a gargoyle. Oh, there's a muscle-bound bad guy in an alley. Oh, somebody's swooping down uh, with dark, dark boots and a gray bodysuit, and he's beating the living hell out of somebody. You like Right away, he hits you in the face. Then you flip the cover, full splash, splash page. There's Batman. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a Superman comic book, but it opens on Batman and it really has some heavy lifting to do around reintroducing Batman um, in in the time frame of this or in, in the lens of this new take on the universe that they've created. So like this. Yeah, it's in a Batman title. I think this story in it in itself informs the reader more about batman than it does mm -hmm. about superman mm -hmm. world's finest yeah. issue they're both in there but i think you learn more as a reader about batman than you do about superman in this story the i was going to say the first and i was looking it up just now just to be 100 um november the cover date of this issue is november 1986 yeah. i always get confused and I have asked, end of September, I think. Okay. I've asked a friend of this show, one sir, Tim Sheridan. He wrote The Long Halloween, in case if you didn't know that. Um, he And he couldn't exactly nail it down either. If it's weird on dates that are on the covers of issues, and sometimes that is when they're released, and other times it's not. And so I think this was a case of where it was not released in November of 1986, even though the cover says November 1986. The... Watchmen, the first issue of Watchmen says it came out in September of 86. So, or the like the issue date or whatever. So I'm just gonna say it had like a two-month lead on this. Yeah, most of the that time. First page just bleeds, it oozes Watchmen to me. Of completely oh, yeah. zoomed out, nine panels of just like zoom, zoom, <laughs> enhance, 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 enhance. Right. And then you get right in and you see. But I mean, you could also maybe take the perspective of like, oh, you're just seeing through through Batman's eyes in this, you know, that is that as well, which is really cool. And yeah, like you said, then you turn the page and it's like not wasting any time. No, 
It's one night in Gotham City. This is Batman. This is the Dark Knight. And he doesn't have time to screw around. No, he doesn't oh. have time to screw around. And in, in, in Byrne, as a writer, doesn't have time to screw around here. Byrne has a pretty... To put this in perspective, yeah, cover date of Batman Year One, Chapter One, Who I Am, How I Came to Be, Batman 404, mm-hmm. February 1987. We're talking like, depending on cover date versus newsstand, when it hit the newsstand, we're talking like six months difference. Mm-hmm. So this is largely reader's introduction to post-crisis batman now somebody out there is going to tell me no no garrett you're not thinking about this because yes it was before year one but it was after crisis and you can tell there's a difference it doesn't just carry over like okay you're probably right maybe get him off the podcast but in the confines of we are reintroducing our most famous characters to you that are the most beloved in a frame of reference of something being fresh, all of Man of Steel exists to explain how this Superman post-crisis is different than Superman that your dad was used to. And mm-hmm. in that storyline, they also reintroduce Batman. And we'll talk about it later. There's there's story points that make it clear we're learning new about Batman or, or we're being informed about this Batman's character or maybe misinformed, a little sleight of hand at times. Hey-o. As a... As, an integral part of of the plot to this issue so i mean you want to hit on some story points for this i mean you have chosen this this book you are quite fond of this series and this issue um i i think what do you want to touch on first you just want to touch on like how their introduction to each other their first time meeting yeah well i think yeah I, well, you know, maybe I'll just I'll just pull this thread just a little bit longer before we get Do there it. because the two are are pretty closely combined, right? We've already talked about this this issue opens up on Batman, you know, front and center, really giving a goon a pretty solid beatdown. Yeah, and of course we know since the late '60s or early '70s, Batman kind of had gone back to being a bit more of a bruiser, a bit darker, but again within the confines of they just hit the reset button. Um, and, and Man of Steel, by the way, was a highly covered comic book event. Non-comic book regulars read Man of Steel, bought Man of Steel. The storyline was we're introducing Man of Steel. And they're like, uh, I think one of the lines I really love about they're like making him a modern man of the 80s like they're making superman like a modern man like with today's sensibilities like type of weird you know so it was like it was a big enough thing that my elementary school in the middle of nowhere jack pine savage minnesota bought a hardcover (laughs) copy and stuck in the library it was a big deal right yeah so that that sort of big general audience that might flock to this story for the first time still didn't think about Batman in the way we experienced him with Neil Dronham and Denny writing him, you know, through the seventies and then the eighties. And right away they let you know, like this Batman's a badass. He's beating the hell out of somebody in, in, in an alley in the rain. Um, he's inflicting some damage and he is intentionally making people fearful, right? Like, yeah. I think I think in, in in my mind I read this as DC and Burn 
having something to say about who Batman is post this reset and realignment of timelines and universes. And it's in doing that, that these two characters meet for the first time. So essentially, you know, Batman, you know, really delivers a heck of a beating is uh, foiled for just a mere second when this bad guy, you know, chucks some trash in his face and he's about to go lay it on, on another layer. Yeah. But what happens? Superman shows up. He does. It's um, his. Let's see what the something's got hold of my line. And then I think it's great with that. Turn the page. Well, for me, it's turning the page. I don't know if it's you. You're just looking to the left and then you look to the right, depending what you're reading it out of. But and then then you get the a nice big panel of you're looking up and it's Superman who's interfered. Although, I mean, we all knew probably why his line was tight. Because you probably got the old old big blue. Yeah, um, grab the guy's going to show up in his own issue at some point. What what other point? You know, pretty nice little intro. Take Batman for a ride. Yeah. And I mean, he speaks in, in the most like Superman way too. Of you know, now you just hold on tight to that rope. I wouldn't want you to fall before we get you to police headquarters. <laughs> I mean, it just seems so like, all right, you little heathen. Yeah. Well, <laughs> guess hold on. What? We're, t- we're taking you to the to the police. We're going to turn you in. Yeah. And it's always funny because I think um, I. I think I'm right in this. I think uh, Burns Superman is supposed to be 28 years old, but yeah. he talks like a dad from the 50s sometimes. <laughs> like yeah. I said, it doesn't it doesn't take any shine off of it for me, right? I still love no. it, but it is. He's like, no, you 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 just hold on tight, just just tisk there, Mister Bad Guy. Well, I'm afraid I'm not about to give you much of a choice here, Batman. Like, you know, he's really kind of parenting and, him. A bit. And I love in this. This, too, just shows of the, the badassery of one Sir Batman as he just like, let's go, which yeah. you can see. And I think that that, yes, you can. It can be a quick moment if you're just reading. But if you actually just pause, take a moment and let that like sink in of like, that's so that's like a. It's a cool, quick moment that kind of does say a lot on these two's relationship, on establishing Batman and meeting Superman, establishing like how Batman is. How are they different? Contrast, yeah, that contrast of the two, which is just like I don't know. It's it's so small, and it's not trying to overanalyze it, but it's just like, oh, this is a great strong start of conflict. That I mean, we all know where they're gonna go. (laughs) Yeah, but. you need here's, this at first. You you absolutely need it. And I, here's where I think, I mean, I think Byrne is a masterful comic book storyteller um, back from, you know, drawing X-Men when he was on that with Claremont to everything he did in with, with Man of Steel. Um, Next Men, of course. Like, I mm-hmm. I think Byrne's just a genius um, in a number of ways. And don't, I mean, someone's going to, you know, reply when you post this about like, yeah, he's also made some weird storytelling choices over even in Superman. There's a couple of issues as you get later into Superman. We're like, well, that was a real choice, Johnny boy. But like <laughs> when he is on, very few people are on like he is on. So uh, just a minute detail that I really like. Batman lets go of the rope. Superman's like, oh, he's going to fall to his death. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I can't find a sign of him anywhere. But everything I've read about him and in my research doesn't say he has superpowers. So what's going on? And then behind him elevated above where superman has flown down to upstanding on a higher level than superman sort of bathed in shadows is batman like 
I didn't fall down here, you dummy. I didn't disappear. I'm higher than you. <laughs> Bathed in shadow because he is the shadows. He is the sh- he is the night. <laughs> you know, like it, it, it when yeah. you're writing it and you're drawing it, like those are intentional choices that say, like, you know what, hey, this guy isn't super powered. And I kind of hit you over the head with the dialogue out of Superman. But where Superman thought this guy was gonna die, he's actually on a level above where Superman has had yeah. to float fly down to and he's got the upper hand a bit now here like it's just very very good it's 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 odd for what people think of burn as a you know when it comes to dc he's mr superman like, mm-hmm. i think he handled batman really marvelously in this in this issue yeah that's just i mean i don't know like i think they're they're quite established when you get to the end of that page there of when he's like batman like it's kind of set the stage of the two but then it goes the next page to, you know, okay, we've got their introduction. We need a plot. Like, okay, we need something to keep this going. It's not yeah. just going to be a dialogue for 22 pages. Can't and, just be them having a chat. And I mean, that's where we get of. Let's see, like a Superman says, you've done your homework um, because he's got. What's he got with his suit? Force field. Oh, this is the best. This is a great detail. So this is where it comes down to um, Batman says, hey, guess what, man? I thought we might run into trouble before at some point because you're such a goody goody. And I'm out here, you know, busting knees and taking names in the name of justice. And I thought we might run past. So guess what, Superman? I've rigged my body with a, a force field that if you put your Kryptonian hands on me, a bomb is going to detonate someplace in this city and kill an innocent person. I'll kill your mother. No, I'm yeah, all right, yeah. <laughs> Martha. Why did you say that? Why did you say that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to go here? Okay. Yeah, let's go there. Why it actually no, took us. Do you, tell me, do you bleed? Do you bleed? My, my version will. has that. I don't know if yeah. you oh, it, it I, You know, I mean, John Burns, the blueprint. So I don't know. Um, no, but so it's so then. You know, and then should should we just since we're talking about spoil it at the end, Batman says, and as a child, I was like, oh, this Batman is really mean because I was understanding and I could kind of ascertained, right? Like Batman beats up people in a way Superman doesn't like Superman will use his superpowers to save people. Um, And if he needs to go on the offensive a little bit in defense of someone else, that's okay. But Batman will, will just straight up beat you up. Cause I've seen Batman 89 and I watched him blow up that factory and do some other kind of questionable Batman things, but whatever. I'll allow this, it. When I read, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. When I read this, uh, I was like, Oh, as a little kid, I'm going to be like, Oh, this Batman pushes it even further. Like, that's not good. Like he would, yeah, I was someone an adult else. and I thought Batman is mean. Yeah. Um, well, it kind I- of, and it's kind of like, like, like that was almost out of like, and that's why I read the whole issue. Yeah. Because I was like, well, that doesn't feel like Batman. Because as the issue develops, you're like, oh, that, that kind of feels out of place for the threat that he made earlier. Like as mm-hmm. the two get to know one another and they work together with old Maggie, mm-hmm. um, it seems sort of odd that Batman would have done that earlier in the issue. And then you find out like, no, you silly goose. I'm the innocent citizen. Yeah. If you would have tried to apprehend me, a bomb would have gone off that would have killed me, and you wouldn't have been hurt because I know you're indestructible. But you would. <laughs> that's act- Batman. Well, yeah, no, I'm like, Batman. oh, like, he <laughs> outthunk him. Sense. And the reason why he did that 
is because he knew Superman's super senses would have been able to detect in his heart rate or perspiration if he lied. So he actually had to put an innocent life in jeopardy, his innocent life at jeopardy to pull the wool over old Soupsy's eyes. Genius, John Byrne, you you British (laughs) genius. I love it, you old son of a gun. I don't know which part in this, but I have it jotted down in my notes that Batman had, in this story, Batman first read about Superman's debut in the Daily Planet eight months ago. So he's had eight months to study, read everything. And of course, that's what he did. About this hero. So I think that totally tracks for the character of Batman that we all know and love. That, yeah, he basically got eight months worth of following every single piece of information that's been known um, as far as Superman. So I think all that totally tracks. Uh, to push the story further, I there's it's really funny because there is a character in this issue that a lot of us nerds we know, but that character is still kind of not brought up a lot. And I'm not gonna say try and play some kind of game of like this is an A-lister or um you know, this is just this is my favorite villain or anything like that, because no, she probably wouldn't make my top 20. But you just know a villain makes a debut with one of the most unique fashion styles. <laughs> yeah, wild in up. in Gotham City, uh, in one sure Margaret Pie, also known as Magpie, fishnet stockings. Oh yeah, um, all the way up to one John, time Johnny crazy drew pointy shoulder things and one hell of a hairstyle with glasses magpie went all the way on this and i applaud it yeah she went all in there is no stopping short here you know if you're going to do the fishnets then you need a i don't know looks like about a 12 inch thick red leather leather belt and big old gloves and then like a mohawk wig with side hawks on both sides i don't even know that would be called I I almost wanted to say mohawk, and I'm like, no, it's not even a mohawk. It's uh, it's a trihawk. Yes, thank you. I was even thinking <laughs> hashtag Midwest brain. Yeah, and uh, something, something like that. Great style. And this had a cover date in November 1986. This issue actually came out before another issue of November 1986, Batman 401, which many of us know is the cover featuring Magpie and yeah. Batman. But she made her debut. In this issue. And I think I even texted you that um, I'd thought of like, wait, which one? She had to have made her. I thought the Batman issue was her debut. Absolutely not. It was the Man of Steel number three. Oh, Magpie. Oh, Margaret Pie. Magpie. Fun (laughs) fact. You looked that up. Magpie is one who collects indiscriminately. Hey, Mm -hmm. that tracks. Gobbles them up. She wants all those shiny, pretty things. Yeah. Good luck trying to find issue 401 to read. I couldn't. I told you that I wanted to read that issue, Batman 401, before this, just as a like expand mag the month of Magpie, November 1986. Somebody was born in November 1986. Hey, oh, Uh, so you know I've never been able to grow my hair out long enough uh, to have that kind of pull off this look. Nobody would ever want to see me in the fishnet stockings that she has on, but the hairdo. Oh, you might have. Who knows, Ryan? <laughs> you've, you're developing yourself quite the I've following. done some squats. Yeah. I've done some squats. Yeah. So I'm working on the old glutes. <laughs> the old glutes. So she's 
she is so while this issue is obviously the you know what's the elevator pitch the first meeting of superman and batman yeah uh we you need something for them to do so it is a bit of like a mystery um a little bit of there's a you know batman lays out of over you know the past i don't know how how long week or so that there's been three um like bombings. I thought I wrote that yeah. down too. Man, my notes Large, are a mess. So essentially what she does is she magpie likes to steal valuable things, mm-hmm. leave replicas in their place, but because she kind of sucks, the like she's just mean. It's not even like she steals something and then just replaces it with a fake. And then it's like, haha, later you find out it's a fake. No, yeah. you find out it's a fake right before you die because the replicas are all booby trapped. Ouch. Um, yeah, and here we go. He says six days ago. So that was the first incident. And he said that, you know, uh, Mr. Henry Gerald opened his Donner Avenue. And I was like, oh, I wrote down Donner Avenue because that's obviously huh. a nod. But then I was like, maybe the, the next incidents also have little nods. And they didn't <laughs> like no. it just stopped at Donner Avenue. And that was it. But it started for, you know, six days ago was an incident of and it's like um, things that blow a string of like blades Um exploding out of something acid gas acid um i mean pretty nasty stuff and there you know it's just the whole i need basically batman's enlisting superman to help him Mm -hmm. all right sounds like a a nice team up to me yeah and it's great um you sort of get some really good lines right yeah um one of my favorite is you know superman's like hey you know, this is sort of, I have issues. You're putting lives in jeopardy. Doesn't agree with the methods. And there's a, there's a line I really like. Batman says it. He's like, there's no doubt in anyone's mind that you're the number one defender of this planet of ours, but defending a planet and cleaning up a city are two very different things. And that sort of like, you already have had this like conflict of, hey, I'm going to take yeah. you to the police, old Mr. Bad Bats. And this is, you know, one of the things I remember from years ago, back when I was just a, um, you know, a listener and enjoyer and reader of of things Batman on film. Um, Bill at one point had written something about when the title to Batman versus Superman was revealed to be BVS he had hoped that was reflective of this, like more of a courtroom. Cause that's how court cases like one yeah. party versus the other. It's just the V it's not VS. It's just the V. And he was hoping it was more of like uh, the movie was going to be kind of painting it as a trial of like the different methodologies and approaches between Batman and Superman were butting up against one another. Uh, clearly wasn't what that movie turned out to be, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, this issue is what I always thought of when I would read that article or hear Batman or Bill Batman. Bill's not Batman. Hear Bill make that statement was I thought about this issue because it it so clearly puts them sort of at odds. And then, you know, maybe just a little forcefully uh, states exactly where their methods are different. But then at the end of the issue, um, pulls it together with a wink and a nod to everything that came before it um, while sort of reinforcing the fact that these are two very different heroes. Mm-hmm. They're not exactly best friends, 
They operate in different ways. We just gave you a glimpse of what to expect about how these characters are going to operate in this new reset universe, but they're both good. They're both fighting for good. How they fight that fight is different, but they're fighting it for the same reasons. You know, I thought that was just really well done because there are ways of writing this sort of reintroduction of these two of these characters together that isn't as smart or intentional or as as cleverly designed, if maybe not super subtle, as what Mm -hmm. Byrne did in this issue. And I really love that about it. I really, really love it about this issue. Well, as you're speaking of like the character moments, there's more jotting back and forth. The, I mean, Batman. So he has the revelation of he was the innocent Gothamite. Yeah. yeah. But then also you hear his actual compassion for Magpie in how she is, you know, she's mentally ill and she's sick in that way. It's not a look how cool I'm going to like, I mean, you know, I'm going to knock her out and throw her into a crate and then police will take her to, you know, lock her up. Ha ha. Take that sucker. It's he does say of like her basically of, you know, her her history. He basically just gives her history and it's not a good history. And um, you just kind of sense. I just feel like you do sense that. Part of of Batman behind this, which is, you know, that's definitely a heroic, heroic spin on the character. Not that there isn't other other stories that we've talked about on here where it is like awesome because Batman totally kicks ass and he's uh, taken down this bull guy at the very beginning who is, you know, one of Magpie's goons. So it's not like that was. Just oh, yeah. And he works him totally over. Connected. Good. Yeah, it's totally connected, which Batman, I feel like, did not do whatever the hell happened to his right ear because bull's ear is just pretty nasty. Oh, it is. Um, be- it, yeah, he's got some serious cauliflower like MMA yeah. wrestling ear. But exactly. Ryan, I'm so I'm really, really glad you brought up. It's, it's I know a, it's a wonderful pan. <laughs> it's a <laughs> you goof. It's a it's a wonderful panel. The page is almost evenly split between a four page left to right or a four panel left to right layout at the top of the page of Magpie basically melting down her psyche collapsing right yeah and then the the bottom half of the pages. I think a really great, uh, you know, almost like kind of portrait of Superman and Batman and Superman is like in the light. Batman's in, in the background. Um, yeah. Superman is, is bright and colorful and Batman's back in the distance and he's shadowy. But what Batman says here is also another example of where I think Byrne does a great job telling us of who post crisis, uh, Batman is, and he is not, and, and this is maybe why I love Burn so much and I love this issue so much, but this is the Batman that I love the most. I love all of them. This is the Batman that I love the most. And that is the Batman. Hear that, Clooney? He yeah. loves all Batman. Well, yeah, I love them all. Every last one. Even you, Digital Justice. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I mean is the characterization of Batman that is like dedicated to the virtuous thing of taking his pain and turning it into something that can prevent pain in others. He is, he is internalized this damage that he experienced as a child and it's motivated him to make himself the best version 
essentially that a human can make of themselves to be the most physical fit, the most mentally astute, like the most determined human being, develop technology to prevent other people from having to go through the painful experience that he went through. And that I think is, is, a, is an important distinction than my least favorite version of Batman, which is this is a traumatized child who is mentally ill yeah. and is uh, seeking vengeance on others to make himself feel better about the pain he experienced as a child. Like that is a messed up, like that's not, I wouldn't like, that's my least favorite Batman. But if you look at the way in, in this, in, in, in burn doesn't get into everything I just went into, but that's why it's good. It's good because he didn't have to. The, the part you're talking about is Batman says like, she's not a real criminal, right? Mm -hmm. She's a frail human psyche an imbalance id that got pushed too far. A little girl who loved pretty things, who educated herself and became a curator of one of the nation's leading museums and found herself obsessing. I'm paraphrasing. Yes, I yeah. feel sorry for Superman, but I feel more sorry for her victims. He's compassionate. He He's not going to beat the heck out of this person because he's taking out his pain by inflicting pain on someone else. Like, think about how a warped of a concept that is to say, that's my favorite version of that hero, quote unquote hero. He experienced pain as a child. So now he takes joy in causing pain of others. That's not what this Batman does. He says, I feel pity for this person. I'm going to be, I'm going to be compassionate towards them, but I'm most concerned that she doesn't get more victims and I'm more compassionate to her previous victims. Like that's a damn good Batman in a I, Superman. I do think one line of she's not a real criminal, not like the kind of gutter slime. You know, those those kind oh, of yeah. things when some of those it's two words in right. a in a nice, you know, long monologue basically. But it gives, still gives you some grit, right? Gutter slime. Gutter some grit. Gutter slime. Because he's I mean, I mean, we have to be honest, Batman's still cool because he's a badass, but he's not yes. a badass because he wants to hurt people. Because he beats the shit out of people. Right. Like, that's not exactly no. assery. <laughs> yeah it's like okay i'll just walk down to the elementary school i can show you how big of a badass i can be no yeah man. That's, like just think garrett, of you garrett goes to that jack <laughs> yeah. pine savage elementary school to this day those kids around <laughs> yeah. i'm a badass justice yeah because the thing is like it's it's not the fact that you can develop yourself to be someone that can beat people up it's that you're beating people up who if you beat them up you're doing a good thing because you're stopping them from doing something far worse than beating up somebody who is about to do a bad thing yeah like that's you get this here those are the so i think we've here we've pinpoint like deep characteristics of this version of batman in the he's the innocent gothamite so basically he sacrificed himself willing to put himself at risk. And then you hear wh how, what he tells Superman and how, so at, even though they are different, they are the same and how they both like, cause Superman even says it himself, you know, he's like, I can't help but feel sorry for her. And that's when Batman says what he says. It's like, okay, you're both on the same boat here, but we also get like moments of pure Batman-ness in this 100%. issue that you already talked about of like him letting go of the bat line. And then he shows up behind Superman higher than Superman. We get detective work in this classic Batman. 
Yeah, looking um, at those like, fibers. And I think what Byrne does really well in this is like, this is a Superman title. Batman is brought into this and it's not the I'm more powerful than you from either side. Like, and yeah, Batman lets go and shows up behind Superman. Not for a moment. Did I think that Superman's weaker? You know, I didn't think Byrne didn't put Superman down to elevate Batman. Like he, he didn't. And, um, other moments too of like them working together here. And it's like, cause if you even see like after that first explosion, which I think is a good way to beat around the bush, but you also, you get the point is when magpies laying into bowl and they do the happy birthday also makes me think of Batman earth one that you and I have covered on this show mm-hmm. before of the birthday boy, birthday boy, like this jacked up dude in this shirt. And then, you know, I don't know. This made me think. I of wonder, I, I really do wonder. Cause I thought that when I reread this, um, when I got the hardcover trade, and because I think when I got this, oh no, it was a while after you and I had done it, but it was, it was, you know, recent enough that it was in my brain when it wasn't something I had read before. I don't believe the last time I just did a real, let's read through yeah. a bunch of Man of Steel 86 stuff. And I thought the same thing. I'm like, I wonder if this was like just floating around in the goat Jeff Johns uh, yeah. subconscious because he, you know, is a, a he does the work he's done the work he's he's read he sure he's has. read the reads uh and it just sort of like manifested itself out in an unintentional way because he had read this and it was in the back of his brain someplace or if that was like a little uh i don't know an intentional throwback or, <laughs> Some, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. know that's great i'm glad that you thought of it as well because i certainly did right away i'm like is that the birthday boy but your last panel on page 12 is magpie lighting the dynamite that's in Paul's mouth. You turn the page, you don't see like boom or anything like that. Batman continues talking, but you can see that Superman's turned away from Batman. And then even just says, but I just heard an explosion. We all know what that means, but it's like one of those, we don't need to show it. You know it. Yep. Off Um, panel. And I, good Lord, you know that I'm not a prude toward violence or anything like that. in comics. it's just one of those things of sometimes like smartly getting your point across um, yeah. without being too just blunt. Well, um, you know, and you and I, I think I mentioned this every time we record because inevitably some something about a horror movie comes up yeah. some way or another. And it is like, I don't hate, I don't dislike horror movies. And it's not, not that I don't like, like I get squeamish about blood or whatever. It's that I think it's so much more effective and so much creepier when something's left to the imagination. Yeah, because if you show me what it is, I don't have to be as scared because I know what it is. And I mean, we even don't know what it is. And we see waist down and he's laying there and you just see you do see a little bit of blood on his left leg, a little bit of blood on his right leg. Oh, did you read that as blood? I suppose it is. That would make sense. What what would you? Well, so there's there's kind of like I don't know what kind of debris is to the left of his shoes and looks like it's kind of smoking. I guess. Oh, hang on. Just one. I'm going to, because I got it. I got the pages open in both copies. And of course, I have the single issues in the uh, long boxes. Uh oh, folks. Garrett's frolicking again. Well, I want to see if there's just a <laughs> color difference uh, between, and I just read it last. Because in, in the panels, the only red. No, you're right. It's definitely blood. The only sure. red is Magpie's yep. ensemble. Yep, and then it's pink. 
So there's a slight color difference, but when I look at the two together, it's, it's, it's not different enough that I should have been befuddled here. Gotcha. Okay. I might, I just might not have been looking close enough before. Yeah. There is, there is a grizzly John. Jeez. Whoa. Um, totally negate everything i said this is just yeah this is gutter slime this is gutter slime (laughs) gutter slime um i mean but to carry on with it is like i just think this is really well done in the sense of like they're then becoming equals as they solve this they track down magpie together um it is a good almost seems almost formulaic of like to me, made me think of the animated series of Batman when he would, you know, up against the villain. It's not like sure. they have one confrontation and that's it. There's right at least two, almost usually three. Yep. And uh, there's something normally at the end of those episodes that tells you, you know, thinking about what's going on or some sort mm-hmm. of reflection and, you know, a little bit for the audience to look ahead to when these cats are going to get back together. Uh and they do that at the end of this too. Like there is, that's what I mean. It's like, I'm not going to tell people this is the most groundbreaking sort of like reinvention of comic book superhero story writing ever because it clearly has a goal. Sometimes you read something and you're like, okay, the goal of this issue is to be artistic and expressive and try to push the medium forward. And I read superhero books from basically the two main pub- publishers. So I don't, get too much of that but there are books that are out there like that this is not that this is a book that has a goal when burn was plotting this out and working with the editors and talking with the head brass at dc it was like hey we're gonna use this issue of this you know your run to do some batman stuff and he was like okay so what do i want to accomplish let me think about a little arc the internal story machinations to sort of let this thing twist up and run And then he went to work and made this story. And then we got to leave it at a place that tells us there's going to be some more to come between these two. This was just the first meeting. But that's the what. (laughs) How he does the what is what makes it really, really good. Because there's a way to make that, okay, what do I have to accomplish? And it becomes, you know, cheap and paint by numbers. And this is not that. Even though it does kind of have that formulaic nature to it, I think it, it, it goes beyond just that. Who knows? In a different reality, I might have called him friend. Yeah, darn it. <laughs> I was gonna I want I wanted to bring up that panel because I thought that was such like a it's kind of funny because it, it's that there's your very overt wink and nod, right? Yeah. Like in a different reality, I might have like, no, man, you guys were best friends. You were the best yes. good friends that anyone could have. Like you're yeah. like, it's the whole thing. Like you guys for years you wrote on on the back of bombs over you know in world war ii propaganda <laughs> together like you guys are the best friends that have ever existed but i think that's kind of something that they that they also besides just this story was good for post-crisis dc to say like yeah it's familiar these are the characters you've loved we're doing a little something with it different different enough that you definitely should check it out right get those 75 cent issues i think 75 cents per issue uh coming in on this bad boy because you're going to want to check it out it's different enough that you should buy it but familiar enough and we're also going to acknowledge that hey we know where we've been i thought that was kind of a nice little hey elbow elbow huh you get it right you get it right so superman's been around eight months at this point and superman says it 
the end, second to last panel. I'm going to be keeping an eye on you to make certain you don't blow it for the rest of us. You'd almost think these days that Batman would have a right to be like, who the hell do you think yeah. you are? What Coming you to mean? my city? I've been here for us. a while, sir. You know, I've been putting but... in the work. By the way, one day, you know, you realize you had extra powers. I have been busting my ass yeah. for like two decades mission. at this point, right? Acquiring the f- top physical, you know, peak performance, every detective skill, every martial combat, yeah. you know, martial arts combat skill. Like I've trained my mind. I don't need to sleep. <laughs> I have a contingency plan for any single thing at any moment. Like, don't you tell me, you know, like you've been around Who for eight the months. How do you think you are? But it is kind of interesting too, besides, yeah, a friend. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Even besides the differences between the two, it is interesting because like post-crisis wasn't always clean. Like even just step out of this issue, DC landscape. Post-crisis, I mean, go no, look no further than Hawkman to notice like how jacked up it really was. They didn't know exactly what was going to happen with every character or how they're going to be introduced or even the timeline of when they've existed. So I think this does kind of shine as an example. Superman's been Supermaning for eight months. Yeah, he did some stuff prior to that around the globe and in Metropolis in particular with just a little zip-up leather vest, ja- uh, jacket. Um but he was, uh, you know, old school, like first superhero ever to exist post-crisis, not the first superhero to ever exist, but sort of re-inspires a new group of superheroes. And I think that's who they meant of mess it up for the rest of us, like this, yeah. this sort of like rebirth, talk about future versions of crises. Um this sort of rebirth of now modern superheroes, you might mess it up for us. But like, if you've been reading the books up to this point, you haven't seen Superman really interact or get to know any of those people to the point that he would be worried about Batman messing it up for them. So, you know, rambling point, but continuity is messy, particularly in DC books. And every once in a while you can kind of, you know, Ooh, that, that that edge seemed uh, like it could have been sanded down and rounded smooth a little bit more here or there. But that's across. You go back and read books from 86, 87, 88, even you see that with a bunch of characters post crisis. Thank you. We all know Batman did OK the back half of the 80s. Oh, boy. You're darn tootin' he did. I think he did. Uh, Old Bruce's time to shine. <laughs> Is uh, are there any other is there anything that you want to bring up that we have not? Um, I've been some favorites. Yeah, why don't you hit us with the favorites? All right, let's hit you with the favorites, Garrett. What was your favorite part of One Night in Gotham City? Um, I, <laughs> I think uh, I'm gonna have that song stuck in my head. <laughs> You're I, welcome. I really do think it was the conclusion of of the issue when we find out because it was like. I remember as a child, and then every time I read it now, I appreciate this part, the end and the reveal that, you know, I Batman, my dear, sweet Batman, like my beloved hero, never, of course, would put an innocent life in jeopardy. Of course, he was the innocent life. It's sort of like Batman redeemed, you know, like 16 pages later or whatever it was here, uh, because I thought it was just 
really quite smart. And especially like Batman, the detective had ascertained enough about Superman's skills that he had to put himself in jeopardy uh, because he couldn't just lie. And, you know, and I also was like, well, lying's lying's bad anyway. Batman wouldn't <laughs> it's lie. Bad. Right. So I, I, I just love that part. I thought it was really, really kind of smart because the stories. You could write a version of the story that doesn't need that kind of, you know, Guess, trickery yeah. to it you could and i'm just i really liked it and it makes you think like oh is this batman even more dangerous than i'm comfortable with oh no no he beats up the the gutter slime but he's not gonna slime. kill an innocent person thank goodness so there's this movie released in 1991 called point break oh, and boy. Uh, yeah, sure. there's this there's a scene in there where gary Busey's in a car and he sticks his head out the What's window he and he say? says utah give me two give me two because Garrett, that's my favorite part. Agree? Oh, great. Now yep. ah, look yep. at us. I have it jotted right here in my notes for yeah. the reasons that you said too, because then it does connect all the way to the beginning and that little moment where you felt a little uneasy of like, wait, is this not my Batman? Right. But, all, but then as we see stuff play out, it's like, no, this is my Batman. But that beginning part and then the end, it all comes like, and they wait to the very last moment to reveal that, which then brings the whole thing back around to be like, no, this, this guy rules. Batman mm-hmm. rules. He's a hero. He's my hero. Uh, How about your favorite panel? I talked about it right away. And as I said it, I'm like, oh, Oh, darn it. I'm talking about it super early. And I'm going to have to go back and repeat myself. Um, When when you open the issue, it's the page after the nine panel grid layout that I talked Mm. about. You flip it over. There is Batman standing like a brick wall in between two actual brick walls in an alleyway with uh, with. Gosh, what's his name? Uh, you know, bull. bull, yeah, cauliflower, <laughs> yeah, cauliflower, your bull, you know, down in the muck with Batman towering over him. And it's not yellow oval Batman, which is nice because I always think of non yellow oval Batman as like my preferred year one look, like my first, like first Batman couple suits that he made. But, um, you know, you got him standing there, you know, tall, the city, and sort of like pink and purple silhouette behind and Batman's just filling up this whole alleyway. Damn like right he, he is. he's an intimidating vision for gutter slime, such as cauliflower ear bowl. <laughs> I, and I, I'm a sucker for spa- splash panels, you know, uh, blame it on me, you know, kind of coming into my, my early days of comic book collecting, reading Dan Jurgens and Jim Lee books, but Jurgens. I love it. Yeah. Jurgens, Peter. Uh, I love a good full page splash. So that's, that's, my <laughs> I don't name. know why that popped in my, as you're saying, Batman is just all right there. And I just thought, Jack Black and Jumanji. Mm, that is a man right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. He's just got so many quad muscles in this picture. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I really thought you were going to pick what I picked. So oh, I, couldn't, I couldn't do... Garrett, in 1991, there was this movie released called Point Break. Oh, nice. Is, but we've talked about it. It was uh, page six, Batman in the um, silhouette behind Superman. Oh, 100%. That's my second that. one. Like second one, I was thinking um I've thought this many times. Like I would like a plain like white t-shirt where the only imagery on it is just that picture cuz I feel like it would look kind of like pop arty or I always thought like when I was a kid I'm like, "Ooh, that picture would make a great folder." Like we know you'd yeah. bring a folder and they just like 
Like there'd be a Batman symbol on the front. Set him or... up when he did tests and nobody would look at your test. Yeah, totally. Nobody's no copying, copying here. <laughs> like, like just that without the word balloons, but just yeah. that picture. It's a great, that's a great one. Yeah. And again, for the storytelling reasons too, I think it's so great that Batman's like, where could he go? He must've fallen down. He would have fallen down to his depth. He's like, I'm up here, loser. Like it would have been. <laughs> that's <laughs> Kevin. I'm up here, your horse's ass. <laughs> exactly. Totally. Yeah, that'd have been good. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, want to do, I got to do a screen grab of this panel where I replace it with, I'm up here, you horses. <laughs> Please do. I'll send it to you. Got a screenshot right here. Thanks, Great. Koopa. Thank you. Please do. Doesn't that, that make you think a little bit of uh, B-Taz? Oh, totally. Credits of him on yeah. that building, too. You might as well have a lightning strike right behind him. Yeah. Why don't you add that, too? I'm up here, your horses. Ask. Well, it, okay. So, funny that I wasn't going to mention it because I was, felt like I was kind of going long talking about how much I love this bat, splash page. <laughs> um, in in the pan, in what I picked out with Batman standing there, I've thought when I reread it over the years that the purple and the pinks in the silhouette behind them felt oddly year one-ish, even though this came out before year one and, you know, would not have shared any sort of i i love the color choice it does feel 80s and i i do love uh 80s comics oh gosh so much Mm -hmm. i love Um, thought balloons who is i talking to that hates thought balloons paul herman yeah i love he likes comic books (laughs) i don't believe him (laughs) yeah without thought balloons without editor's notes that's what they like you know what they liked in the 80s ryan Cocaine. Thought balloons at editor's notes. Oh. <laughs> cocaine, yeah. Cocaine, sure. I don't know. Oh, okay. Anyways. I I was a child. I, you know, <laughs> I didn't. I mean. You're like, well, I was going to talk. We had and a, you went to cocaine. So <laughs> we anyways. had a little extra sugar in our Kool-Aid mix when we were feeling feisty. I don't know what they're doing down in Indiana. You're damn right. <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> um, I don't think Indiana could have poured Speaking cocaine. of Gary Busey. <laughs> Utah, give, give me, me two, two lines of cocaine. <laughs> give me two lines. Awesome. Um, sorry, Gary. How about Gary? Would you like to see this adapted in animation? A thousand percent, I would. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty easy question. I would. I want um, it done with. So there were a total. I think in the year one adaptation uh, movie, I thought there were elements that did feel. Like, oh, yeah, this has like a little bit of an 80s vibe here and stuff. I would love for this to like have that feel to it. You freaking bring in Magpie. You dress her like she is in her debut and everything because and like, I don't know. I like the story. I like the looks um, of everything. I would want it done. Definitely with that vibe. Yeah. um, Here's what I would like if I could if I could push. The question even further than how you found oh, it. Oh, hey now. Okay. What I think would be just the cat's meow. You remember when the animated movies, of course you do, because I've heard you talk about some of them. So I don't know why I'm asking you. When the animated DC movies all existed in the shared continuity, that was very, I've referred to it as newish, 52-ish. Yeah. I would like a post-crisis version of that with potentially multiple movies set in the post-crisis-ish post-ish crisis-ish uh universe of which this could be one of them now you wouldn't have to make it a full 80 minutes or whatever they like to do but maybe there's a batman superman team up in the post-crisis universe like i think that would be great i think i i like you know i i like um 
I don't like the fact that we're so far removed from the the decade I was a, a young child in that it can be a period piece at this point. That's but true. I think like we're we're for a young audience. Think about growing up watching stuff in the in the eighties or nineties that took place in the fifties or sixties. Like there's period piece stuff that came out when we were kids about thirty years before that, and we're we're here. So. Yeah, that'd be fun. Well, we're wait, 40 years almost. Gosh, my math's all messed up. That can't be right, Ryan. 40 years. It'll be 40 years in three years. That's right. So we can still say 37 years. 30, not 40 years. <laughs> don't don't bring up 40. Let's just we're leave that. There the nope, we got some time. Um, excellent. Uh Garrett, I I mean I, I used to do this, but I kind of feel like I used to always ask at this point with people like for your final thoughts on whatever, but I feel like it's just regurgitating our praise on something that I don't know if you have final yeah. thoughts that you haven't already said. Um, it's I good. Th- yeah, it's <laughs> like, good to, to put a finer point on it without going as verbose as I feel like I got at different points in this episode. It is a great quick read that is fun it serves a purpose, but still has meaningful character work and really good art. I love, you know, it's giving you a hard time. I didn't actually, you know, listeners, you probably follow Ryan in the account on, on Twitter. And and there's always, every time Ryan does one of his marvelous March Madness brackets, there's always somebody that feels like somebody got left out. And I was kind of giving Ryan a, a, a goofing hard time that he left out John Byrne uh, with the Batman artist. Because I just love the way Byrne draws Batman. And um, it's got all the things I listed, plus really good art. I think John Byrne is fantastic, and he draws a heck of a Batman. He just didn't do it all that often, besides your omnibus uh, generations, right? Generations, yep. Um, I mean, I'll just, I already said that this is a this is a good issue. I'd also like to say in this conversa- conversation, uh, we referenced Point Break, uh, Home Alone 2, and um jumanji all uh fun flicks revisit them it's all connected Um, you need something to watch it's all connected and uh yeah i'm i keep telling myself i want to get through and read all of these now for hardcovers i mean hoopla has the trades and the hardcovers um but i want to read all of it because i haven't read all of it this is definitely the one that i've read the most I probably I I don't know read this five or six times the six issues. Oh, that's great, that's great. Good for you. Will you allow me to just for a brief moment talk solely about Superman and not Batman here? I think I've done that before in this episode. This is a Batman show. Pete's gonna explode Peter, on you, but Peter's gonna get angry. Um, All right, go for it. Everybody that appreciates Superman now should, in my opinion, right? It's all in my opinion appreciate what Byrne did in the mid and late eighties, because the Superman we have now today is essentially post crisis Superman, mm-hmm. like rebirth brought back post crisis Superman. Now, yes, yeah, someone's going to say, well, actually he melded psyches and beings huh. with new 50. No, 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 no. That was like a cop out because it, there was like, you know, they they wanted to keep things progressing. It's essentially post-crisis Superman. And this is the this is the 
Burns run all the way through 88 or 89, 89, I believe. Um, three years of just remarkable Superman stories. Uh, some aren't as good as others. On the whole, they're very, very good. And it is the character you're reading today. Like we haven't really rebooted a hard reboot of Superman outside of, you know, the brief years of the new 52. So yes, if you appreciate the character, do yourself a favor. You don't have to buy them all. Get your uh, DC universe plus uh, infinite uh, infinite ultra mega power ultra. There it is. Mega power Uh, ultra. Read them there. Do the hoopla thing, whatever, but get to know the, the burn run. It's important. Yeah. Um, And then uh, I'm about to say Garrett, uh, go ahead and plug away because if you have any questions about the burn stuff, there's nobody else you should go to. Well, you can tell it's something I like to talk about based on this episode, right? And if you'd like to keep frolicking, yeah, if you'd like to frolic more about it, you can find me over at Twitter. I am at Garrett Wado. That's at G A R R E T W A T O. Um, If you like to listen to me talk, uh, I hope you do because otherwise this episode is probably (laughs) not a great one for you. Um, you can listen. I uh, host the Batman on Film podcast, one of the many Batman on Film podcasts over the Batman on Film feed. You can find um, my stuff on the website uh, at batmanonfilm.com. And Ryan, you're yeah, aware, Garrett, we're coming up on football season. If you Holy think it's fun to listen to me talk about fantasy football, we're just to start. We're about to start our new season of the fantasy football podcast that I host. You can find us on Twitter at Dynasty Dads, all one word. Me and my pal Matt Renshaw talk uh, football. We dynasty, but sort of all fantasy football. If you like football, you are a dynasty. Yeah. Oh, I thank you, sir. You are. And thank you for having me on. I always appreciate. No, thank you for coming on, Garrett Widow. Always happy having you on. You're actually not too long ago either. Episode 150 with the whole Kowalski. It's going to take me a while to chip away at Peter's significant lead, but uh, I'm not throwing in the towel yet. That's right. Not yet. Batman doesn't quit. Neither does Garrett. There you go. Batman will be like, I see your thousands of appearances and I raise you a thousand more. As for the Batman Book Club, you can follow on Twitter and Instagram at the Batman BC for upcoming episodes, latest episode drops, sometimes even some giveaways. Pay attention. I said some giveaways. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Batman Book Club YouTube channel where Pete and I recently uh, reunited and it felt so good um, to talk the road to no man's land we have one more part that i need to release on that here really soon any any moment actually where we conclude that big omnibus um great discussion talking with that guy and if you want to support the batman book club you can do that on tpublic.com for um merchandise so t-shirts hoodies onesies for your little ones that have the batman book club uh logo on it you can do that tpublic.com also, patreon.com slash the Batman BC, like I said at the top of the show. And if you want to support the show, but you, you don't want to spend any money at all, it's 100% A-OK. The easiest, quickest, most impactful thing you can do to help the show out is rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Google, wherever. Just rate and go to the rate and review page, rate and review the show. Because the more reviews the show gets, the more it helps spread the word. And as we all know, the word is back. So. For Mr. Minnesota, I am Ryan Lauer. And until next time, read my Batman comics. One